talked about the idea of connection. The idea of the benefits of being connected and in relationship, close relationship with other people. And we talked about, you know, remember the wildebeest and the muskox? If you weren't here, listen to it online. It's, uh, de- it's definitely going to help with, uh, with where you're at and where you're growing, where this is going. But we talked about a few things. Relationship is a benefit of it. Genuine relationship, protection, support. Uh, prevention even, so you don't, you don't have to go through you know, some really difficult things just because of the people that are around you. And so this idea of having a, a group, a connection around you, we just want to stir up desire in your heart for it. And one of the things that, about groups um, is, is this, that groups being connected to a, being connected, closely connected to people, it's kind of like retirement savings. If you don't do it, you know, if you don't save now, you're not going to have it when you need it. And if you don't become a part of a group now, you're not going to have it when you need it. And so the, the, our, our challenge was to help people grow and become connected, not because we think it's a good idea. We think he thinks it's a good idea. So th- this week, I just want to look at the second part. I want to look at serving. Um, and there's a, I'm not very cultured, but there's this guy named Shakespeare. I don't know if anybody's heard of Shakespeare. Is there any cultured people? Yes. So he wrote a play called Hamlet, and there's a famous line from Hamlet. So cultured or not, maybe you could try and fill this one in for me. To be or? See, you even know that part. To be or not to be, that is the question. Uh, and so this morning, I just want to uh, challenge you with a new question uh, and feel cultured. To serve or not to serve, that is the question that I hope that you're able to answer for yourself by the end of this morning. To serve or not to serve, that is the question. Um, the word serve, it isn't actually in Ephesians 4.16. I had to put it there. And so you're like, I don't think that's allowed. You know, I don't think you're allowed to like, just edit the Bible so that you can have a sermon. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to show you that as we look through the word, I know some of you are like, oh, this is weird. We don't, how, does he do this every week? Uh, so what we're, what we're wanting to do with, um, is, is seeing the idea being there, show you that it's not just this one spot that, it's, uh, that you see this, but this idea of serving, uh, serving one another is, is a part of being healthy and it's part of what he designed church to be. Um, If being connected is finding your people, then serving is finding your place. And if being connected is the what that we're looking for, then then the how is uh, is in the serving. And we're going to see that this morning. So Ephesians chapter 4, 16, um, the amplified version. So there's some of you wonder, why is there so many different versions of the Bible? Um, here's why. As, they, as uh, they've been translated from Greek into English, some translated poetically, like the King James Version. It was a poetic version, so that's kind of, you know, if they could find a, a frilly word, they were going to use it. Um, but it wasn't really written in that style. And so some have translated the Bible as thought by thought. So here's not word for word, but thought by thought. Some translate it word for word. And then there's this, the Amplified Version, which says, well, that word in Greek actually means more than just one thing, so we're just going to put it all in there. And so when we read Ephesians 4.16 in that version, um, where they've taken all of the meanings of the words, it says this, for him, or from him was Christ, the whole body, including the church and all of its various parts, it's joined and knitted firmly together um, by what every joint supplies. When each part is working properly, it causes the body to grow and mature, uh, building itself up in unselfish love. So if you've been joining our Bible studies on Monday nights, we've learned something in our Bible study. So here comes a little test for all of you who are in the uh, how to study the Bible in 28 days or more. Uh, that We've learned three things. There's three things we want to do when we're studying the Word. I'm looking for my peeps. I don't know if, they're, if they're, they're here this morning. How many of you know what the first word is? Anybody remember? It has to do with looking. All right, I'm going to tell you. It's called observation. Observe. 
So when you're reading the Bible, the biggest thing that we need to do is just to slow down. Some of you tell me that, would you just do that? Like, uh, just slow down. Uh, We're going to do that this morning. Slow down a little bit and observe. Ask yourself this question. What is it actually, what's he saying in 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 what's written? Then if there's interpretation and you're asking the question, well, what does it mean? And the last one is application. What do I do with what I've just read? Because it's not just, oh, I read the Bible. It's how does it affect my life and how do I find what's true uh, in it? So it's this idea of doing these three things, observe, interpret, apply. So if we slow down with Ephesians 4.16 and we read it, we realize that there's the words joined and knitted together. When he's saying, you know, the whole body being healthy, it's these two thoughts, not just one. Joined is like this. Joined is bringing like all of the yarn together in a box. So um, this is joined right here. So see, there's the the blonde Dutch crew right here. There's the gingers over there. You know, there's that blue-haired kid from youth group. They're in there too. Um, So this idea of joining them all together, kind of bringing them into the same area. That's the idea of when he says, I'm joining you together. I'm calling you out from the world. I'm going to bring you together. But he says, that's not, that's what this looks like this morning is this joined together. But he says it's bigger than that. I want to knit you together firmly and make you into something greater than the, than the sum of the parts. Um, compacted, merged, and it's this idea of synergy that the end result is greater than the sum of the parts. So not just that, hey, we all joined together and we kind of were in one place, but that by being together and being connected, firmly knitted together with one another, that it actually becomes something so different and actually changes and, and has a purpose that, that it can accomplish, you know, uh, that that's not available just on its own. How many of you would just like to sleep, you know, under the, the box of yarn, you know, just put all the yarn on you and think, oh, that, that'll do. No, but when it becomes a blanket, it becomes something completely different. For instance, a raindrop. I don't know if you've ever seen just a raindrop. Not very uh, impressive. It's pretty impressive that they were able to take this photo of just one raindrop. That was really hard to find, actually. But one raindrop, you know, it's not that impressive all on its own. It doesn't really do all that much. But you put a whole bunch of them together, you get this. Ever thought of that? Incredibly, maybe Coldplay helped you think about that. You know, every teardrop's a waterfall. But this, this idea of, man, the, the power that's in this waterfall, you'd be like, I'd stand under a raindrop. I'll take that. Bring your best shot. You go under there, you, your life is in danger. Why? Because there's something so much more powerful about them all together. This another thought. Hey, have you seen one of these before? Just a regular, normal brick. Yes, you've seen one? Not that impressive. I can't, I can't believe you're not cheering and just like going nuts. This is a real brick. It's not that impressive, really. But you take it and millions of others and put them together, you get things like this. Westminster Abbey. I tried to find out how many bricks are in there, but nobody counted. So on good authority, there's a gazillion. Uh, And they put them together, and it becomes something amazing. You know, when you look at that, you don't see the individual brick, but it created something so much, so much greater. Jack Johnson wrote a song, It's Always Better When We're Together. And the idea of the church is the same thought. It's better when we're together, but not just together in a group, together, like connected to one another in a way that it actually brings something powerful. And so you're like, well, we talked about this last week, but how do you do that? How do you get that kind of close connection? Yes, that's what we want, but how do you do it? Well, Paul actually writes about it in this, and it's not um, in the way that it was translated, sometimes we kind of miss some of the thoughts. But he said this in Ephesians 4.16 again. From him, the whole body, the church, and all its various parts, it's joined and knitted firmly together. This is how. How is it joined and knitted firmly together? By what every joint supplies when each part is working properly. 
That's how that connection happens. It's the, the close connectedness happens when every joint is actually supplying um, uh, to one another. And it's actually the close connectedness happens uh, when every joint, which the joint is the act of connecting. When that, when that actual connecting happens um, and when they're serving one another, that's when this close connectedness comes to. And you're like, it's a little bit hard to kind of understand, but let me just say it in these ways. Close connection, that relationship, the support, the protection, the prevention we talked about last week, that's a byproduct of serving. That's not the main goal to say, oh, I'm going to try and like the people in church. I'm going to try and get closer to those, you know, in the, in the church. I'll sit beside, but man, they got bad B.O. Like God really, like, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll go to a Bible study and I'll be there, you know, because I'm trying to be like closer connected and do what, you know, do what Mark says. But, oh man, like seriously, that person talks all the time. I don't want to hear about their cats and their dogs and their, you know, their hangnails. I just, I just don't want to, oh. Yeah, you're close, but you're not connected. The idea of this close connecting doesn't happen by proximity. It happens by action. And it's the action of serving one another that, pe- that draws people closer to one another. Let me say that again. It's probably the most important point. If you write anything down, write this. The act of serving one another draws people closer to one another. You know, think about those thoughts for a minute. Um, in... Uh, in the, in the words that he writes here, by what every joint supplies, when every part is working properly, there's this thing that in the wording, when you look at, um, at this idea of serving one another, he says in that connection, in that moment of one serving another, in that act of serving, it says this, it's, there's some superhuman power um, that's, that's happening. He says this, this idea of serving and growing, it's according to the superhuman power in each part. The parts do the connecting. The parts are responsible for making that connection of serving one another, but then God does something incredible in it. And you're like, I thought, how do I explain this? So here are some things. There's, there's qualities and abilities in each and every one of you, but they're raindrop qualities. By the, on, the, on their own, not connected to others, they're, really, they're there, but they're just not, there's not the same kind of effect that he was um, dreaming of or desiring. So here, here's a thought. It's like an outlet and a plug. They both have the ability to transfer power. They both have the ability to make something amazing happen, but not on their own. They look different, but when the two come together and connect, there's visible, miraculous things. I don't, we think electricity is so normal, but you know, in their day, when it first was invented, miraculous, this idea of what? You plug something and that happens? It has nothing to do with the plug or the outlet. Nobody plugs a plug into an outlet and stares at that thing and, oh, that's amazing. They don't, but they look at what happened as a result and like, whoa, that's amazing. You know, um, male and female, uh, no pictures of this, but male and female, you know, you take them, they each have the parts in them and bring them together and they can create new life. That is impressive. That's miraculous. We see, you know, when you see and just look at you, you're a miracle, but you're created by two people, um, two people that, that, that brought something together. And there's, you know, not really impressive either of those parts on their own, little egg, little sperm, you know, health class, but not that impressive, but together incredible, incredible, that what, what comes of that. And it's this idea of, of, um, uh, of something amazing happening as a result of connection. So when Jesus described the church to, to the disciples before they'd ever seen church, they had no idea what church was, he said, listen, guys, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell are not going to be able to, um, to stand against it. This thing's crazy. Sorry. The, uh, the gates of, I'm just going to put it there. I know it's just better. All right, so the gates of hell are not going to stand against it. 
Something so powerful that it's going to change lives, rescue lives. So you guys have no idea what this church thing's going to be, but it's going to be awesome. Is this what he thought it was going to look like? Or was he saying, you know, in the, in the connection of one another, powerful things are going to happen because it's true. Something powerful happens by serving one another. Uh, here's a couple of thoughts. We see it in the life of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 20, a couple of his disciples, we don't, I don't know if we have those verses, but in Matthew chapter 20, a couple, uh, Jesus is hanging out, and all of a sudden, um, James and John, their mom comes up to Jesus, and she like, pulls them aside. She's like, Jesus, hey, I got I to gotta talk to you about something. My boys, James and John, I know you got 12 followers, but those two, I mean, they're pure gold. I raised those boys. You know, James and John, just remember those names, James, John, JJ, it's, it's easy. Can, we, can, can you maybe do me a favor? Like, when you get your kingdom, can you like, make them like number one and number two? And, you know, I don't know if you've ever had that, you know, where you ask somebody something quietly, and then they respond at full volume. <laughs> so, James and John's mom, you'd like James and John to be number one and number two in my kingdom, right hand, left hand? Okay, let me think about that. And while he's thinking about that, the other ten are over here, and they're like, what? James and John, num- num- number one and number two? Who does she think she is? Does she know those guys have attitude problems? They have anger issues, you know, sons of thunder, whatever, you know? She's like... And, and they, all of a sudden, they all get upset. And so they're all fighting, and they're like, you know, anybody know why they're fighting? Anybody want to take a stab at why they're upset that James and John want to be number one and number two? Exactly! They want to be number one and number two. And Jesus sits them down and says, listen, guys, okay, here, teachable moment. Sorry, you know, your mom, whatever, send her to the crowd. We got to talk. So she calls the 10 guys together, the 12, and he says, hey, fellas, okay, listen. He says, I know on this planet, that's what it looks like. That's what looks awesome, you know? The king is the king and lords it over everybody. The boss, he's the boss, and you got to do what he says. You know, the pastor, he's like, you got to listen to me because I'm spiritual. And you know, you got to call me pastor. I know that's what you think this is all about. This is not what it's all about. He says with, with, you know, maybe that's the way the world does things. That's not how we do things. For us, he says, you want to be great? Guess what it takes to be great? Serve. And James and John are like, mom, take it back. Take it back. We don't want to be number one. We don't want to get down and wash feet. Like just ask if we can be the lowest instead. You know, then that other story where we get promoted. Too late. He says, listen, you want to be great? Serve. Why? Because he knew what would happen. Greatness is in that act of serving one another. And he knows it and he says, you know what? And listen, I'm not telling you guys to do that because that's not how this thing works. He says, I didn't come here to be served, but I came to serve and to lay my life down as a ransom for many. He says, it's, it's the reason I'm here is to serve. You guys have got it wrong if you think of this as about getting to the top. He says, the way this thing's going to rock the world is that we're going to serve. We're going to go down, 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 all the way to the top. It actually takes place later on in the Roman Empire. That that's exactly how the Roman Empire fell, based on the, these followers of Jesus who served the unservable. You know, when they took over um, countries and cities, and the plague was running through, uh, and as they realized, oh, we don't we don't want to have anything to do with this, and they would move on, and they leave even their own Roman countrymen in those cities. Guess who it was that was there to serve and take care of them? Christians. And as they said this, people thought, man, I don't want to be part of this Roman Empire. I want to be with these guys. Roman Empire no longer here. The church? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
We see it in the life of Jesus. We see serving in the early church in Acts chapter 6. Um, you know, Acts was, we believe, just Luke's, you know, kind of his travel journals. He took, took some of the thoughts of what it was like to travel with Paul and the other, you know, some of the other apostles. And as he's writing this, he didn't write it in chapters and verses. He just kind of wrote this letter. And we broke it into chapters and verses so we'd know how to find stuff. So if you go to Acts chapter 6, and you're in Acts chapter 6, if you flip back one one page, just one verse. This verse happens right before the story I'm about to tell you. That in Acts chapter 5, verses 42, they, they talk and they describe the church in this way. That said, day after day, day after day, the apostles were teaching in the temple courts and they were teaching house to house. They were doing this thing in groups. You know, you don't have crowds in your house. I've had 80 people in my house once. I'm never doing that again. I still have broken doors from you guys visiting. Um, this, this, you don't do huge crowds. You do small circles. But this is how the church was being built, in the temple together, but also in house to house. And it says this, that the church, in, in Acts chapter 6, the church was rapidly, oh, they have it, awesome. Um, chapter 6, verse 1, do we have that? Yeah. Uh, and as the believers rapidly multiplied, see this? The idea of being house to house, group to group, the church rapidly multiplied. There was more and more disciples, more and more believers. But then, once you get multiplied, you get a crowd. And when there's a crowd, there's problems. And all of a sudden, there's problems, and there's rumblings of discontent. It says the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers because their widows weren't getting the same treatment as the others. You know, the Jewish widows knew how to say me first and got in line and got extra, and then the the Greek-speaking ones weren't getting stuff. And so they bring this problem to the apostles, and they're like, hey, fellas, we got a problem. And the apostles are like, yeah, they didn't say, you know, Peter and James and John, they're not saying, they're like, that's not a problem. Just go to the grocery store. I don't know, you guys figure something, you know, who cares if the widows don't have enough food? You know, fight it out. You know, widow, widow wars 101, let's go. Uh, they, they didn't. They said, listen, this is majorly important, but it's not a great fit for us. It's not a great fit for us to stop studying the word and teaching and going out and continuing to go in the temple and house to house to help teach people um, about the word of God. It's not the, that's not a good fit for us to try and do this um, this, this feeding program. But the feeding program is important. It's so important. Let's find seven people that are going to help and actually take care of this thing. And so they went out to find seven people where it was a great fit for them. And they found these seven guys. And guess what happens? The end, verse seven. Do we have verse seven? They didn't last night. So you are like leveled up. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased. Why? Because those who had found their fit were still doing what they were doing, proclaiming the message. And those who were serving were serving and finding that spot. It says that greatly increased in Jerusalem. And many of the Jewish priests were converted too. There was something so incredible that happened. So we see it in the life of Jesus. We see it in the early church. But do we see it today? Do we see it in my life? Do we see it in our lives? Philippians chapter 2, Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And he said to this, he said them to this, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, or let this have the very same attitude that Jesus had. Do you want to be like Jesus? I hear people say that sometimes, I just want to be more like Jesus. Being more like Jesus is not walking around doing miracles. Being more like Jesus is giving your life to serve others. Yes, there's going to be spots where you have the opportunity to pray over people and see miracles. It's going to happen. But this idea of serving one another, and he says, have that same attitude. Let that be in you. And it says in, in Ephesians 4 that by having this thing of them serving, growing, connecting. They built up the church. It built itself up in unselfish love. 
unselfish love, which I, I thought was pretty cool. This week I had a chance to talk to um, some friends of mine. She was, she was telling me the story of how she, uh, she had moved, and so she was getting a roommate. And I thought about roommates, you know, and if any of you have been to, you know, um, after high school and had roommates or, you know, yeah, th- there's, there's these things, right? They leave notes for one another, and I, I thought it was pretty, pretty interesting. So they leave something like, uh, like this, you know, the, the toilet paper roll with a, with a little message on it. Do we have roommate? Yeah, right there. If you use the last piece, throw this away and put a new roll on. I want to do that in my house sometimes. But, you know, the, the thing is, you know, instead of just fixing it, no, they leave a note. And then they, they leave notes like this, you know. Um, Stop turning the toaster up. Uh, and, you know, uh, things like this. This is my favorite. I, I love this. Um, it says, Marco's food, seven wings. You touch this and die. And do not eat Marco's food. There's 87 fries. You know, this, uh, this thing of roommates, right? And so she was telling me, she said, you know, as we, 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 got to, we met together when we were moving in, and I saw this girl, and she saw me, and we looked at each other, and we're like, we both had the same thought. This is not somebody that I would ever spend any time with. Hygiene's different, you know, fashion, everything is just different. And we, they looked at each other and like, this could be bad. And so... They both said, you know, she, she said, you know, they came up with this idea that because, you know, they said we're both followers of Jesus, I know this is going to look a little rough right off the start. They knew it. Like, it was just painfully obvious. She said, how about, how about we just, how about we just try and outserve one another through this arrangement and see what happens? I'm just going to try and outserve you. You try and outserve me, and let's see what happens. She said, all those moments where there could have been fights, where there was dishes left, where there was, you know, the, the place was a disaster, all those kind of things where, where she realized, no, I'm going to outserve. I'm going to do something to make a difference. She said that we had minimal, almost none, uh, no fighting in the whole time that we lived together just because of this simple principle. I thought, isn't that awesome? This idea of what can I do to help? Remember in our marriage thing, we were talking about asking that question every day. Hey, what can I do to help? What's your greatest need that I might be able to meet? How's that working for you, married couples? And they all, oh yeah, good. I love it. Last night, they all just looked down. Like, I haven't asked that question recently. First Peter, I love this. It says this, God has given each one of you. How, who? Each one. Does that just mean Mark? No. Given who? Yeah, James, Andrew, Grant, Jackie. He's given you a gift. You know, you, you know, as you were a kid and you grew up, you think, ah, oh, I'm gifted. You are. You know, and then later on, it seems to get to adult, and that's not cool anymore to be walking around like, I'm gifted. I'm pretty special. I'm pretty awesome. Do you know that I've got talents inside? We, don't, we just don't do that. But sometimes I think we forget that that's actually true. You are uniquely gifted. You've got gifts that it says that God has given you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. And as soon as we see that word spiritual gifts, we think, oh, that's like got to be like, you know, like I'm good at reading the Bible or like I'm really good at praying out loud, uh, or I'm really good at speaking, or I'm really good at taking up the offering, or whatever it is. We think we, we tie it to, to, to this thing of this organization called church when he says, listen, that's not what it is, but you've got spiritual gifts, and he says, so use them well to what? Serve. Use them well. Don't just use them. Use them well to serve one another. He says, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as, as though God himself were speaking through you. Think about as you're talking that maybe God is actually wanting to speak to this person's heart and having that kind of compassion in your conversation. And then it says, you have the gift of helping others. What, that's a gift? Yeah, because a lot of times it is Peter saying, hey, there's kind of the gift of speaking and there's the gift of helping others. And they're on the same level. But, you know, that, that idea of if you have that gift, do it all with, um, with all the strength and energy that God supplies 
then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, bringing glory to him and all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. My challenge for you is that everyone has a great fit somewhere. You have a great fit somewhere. My challenge to you is to find your great fit. Maybe you hear this thing about, you know, spiritual gift and, you know, speaking. You're like, ugh. You know, most of you are terrified of speaking in front of people. And you're like, ugh, you know, I can't really, I don't know what, I, I can't do anything. He says, you know, there's a gift of serving others, and it's actually for all of us. And it's like, say, well, I tried that once. You know, I took up the offering, and after they found me grabbing handfuls of money out, they didn't let me do it anymore, so I just give up, you know. Or I went downstairs, and I helped with children, with the kids, and my shins are still destroyed ever since. I wanted to kill those children before their parents picked them up. You know, it's like, it's a good thing he didn't preach too long that Sunday, or they would have all been gone, right? And it's this idea of finding your fit. You know, my kids right now, it's winter, and they get their jammies, and, and the winter jammies have come out, and Finn the other day, he's putting, on, he's putting on these winter jammies, the ones with the footies, and as he's putting them on, they were inside out, halfway inside out to start with. So he's got a leg and a leg and a leg and an arm and a hand and a foot, and he's, he's like, Dad, help! Fix it, right? And he's like, he's frustrated, so I'm helping him take it apart, put it inside out. And he's like, I don't want to wear those jammies anymore. And I was like, no jammies anymore. I'm like, son, it's going to be cold, you know, we need to put these jammies, you know, he's upset and realizing, thinking they don't fit right. So we figured out how they, they fit on him, zipped him up, and he's like, he, it fits nice, and then he's like, grouch, you know, it's like, you know, he can just sense the, the warm and the fuzzy, right? And for some of you, you're like, ah, oh, I just missed the warm and the fuzzy, you know? And, the, and, I, and I wish I was, you know, I used to get the warm and the fuzzy when, you know, when I just sat and listened to Mark talking, you know, then I felt all warm and fuzzy and stuff. I don't feel that way anymore. It must be Mark's fault. It must be his problem, right? And it's, it's it's, it's that thought that I want to challenge you with is that as we get to that place of finding your fit, maybe it was like, you know, the, the thing of it does something for you even when you serve others. It's like that something lights up on the inside of you when you're serving and when you find your great fit. So if you feel that sort of that missing something on the inside, I challenge you to find your great fit in serving one another. Like, well, how do I know what that's supposed to be? You know, a lot of times we take these tests, you know, and we go through all these things. This has got to find my spiritual gift. Let me just say it's a whole lot simpler than that. What do you naturally enjoy? Just ask yourself this question. What do I, what do I really like to do? What am I already good at? Maybe you're good at fishing. <laughs> Maybe... We have skilled people in our church. You know, maybe I'm good at fishing. We have other skills too. Maybe you're good at dancing. <laughs> or whistling. If you don't recognize that belly, it's Bob DeVries. Um, and maybe you're really good at car rallies. You know, maybe you're good at clues. And maybe you're, maybe you're good at these things. Thinking about some of those things that you're, you're naturally good at. Like, uh, what? Um, what do you love? Thinking about things you love. Do you love babies? Do you love food? Do you love kids? Do you love organizing stuff? Do you love fixing things? Do you love music? Do you love making music sound good? Do you love praying for people? Do you love visiting with people? Do you love coffee? What is it that you love? Because it's already in the things that you already love and the things that you're naturally good at. It's taking that and saying, how can I use that to serve someone else? How could I use that? Maybe you're a great baker. How can I use that to serve someone else? In Ephesians 4.12, before he said all this about, you know, this connect, serve, and grow, he said this, I'm, um, God has put people in your life, pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, um, to, to help, to help, um, to help you do the work of serving. Serving is simply meeting the needs of others. It's this idea of seeing a need and meeting a need. 
And for some, this happens so often. You see a need, and you think you got to call the church to meet it. But I want to challenge you with this thought, that if you saw a need, he's probably putting it on your heart to meet it. And some of you are like, well, I see a need, but man, I can't do that on my own. Right on, because he wants to do it with you. He wants you maybe to trust him and say, hey, okay, God, I, I believe I saw this. You think I can pray for them? Oh, God, I don't think I can do that on my own. You're right, you can't. But with him, you can. You see somebody in need. Ah, man, how do I help? For some, you think I've got to be spiritually mature in order to serve. But I would encourage you with this. You've got to serve to become spiritually mature and to help the body grow. And I feel like I'm preaching a bit to the choir because this week as we were preparing for the volunteer dinner, as we go through our list of all the volunteers, and just so you know, don't miss the volunteer dinner this year. It will be like off the hook amazing. Um, but the volunteer dinner, as I'm going through the list of volunteers and realizing how many people have, have decided to serve and use their lives to be a blessing to one another, I'm amazed and I'm blessed by it all because there's so many, so many things that have happened as a result of that. Lives of our kids you know, I think if my kids come up and tell me stories that they learned about the Bible and about Jesus that they didn't learn from me. And I'm like, that's awesome. You know, there's things, stories of our youth where I hear about how they're, you know, they're, they're sharing their lives, wanting to follow Jesus Christ with their, their whole life. And I think, man, it's awesome. Friends that come here, it's all affected. It's awesome. So I, this morning, this morning, I just want to challenge you to serve somewhere. This is not like a thing of, hey, we need more volunteers, come work for us. That's not what this is all about. Even though we would love for you to serve here, we'd love for you to be a part of our teams, and there's ways to be involved, but it's not about us. It's about you. My heart this morning for you is to find a place, find somewhere to serve the kingdom. Not just serve. Some of you, you know, volunteer to do stuff, and you're like, yeah, volunteer, and we're putting in parks and doing stuff for, you know, whatever. But it's, it, there's certain things on this planet that are temporal, and there's certain things on this planet that matter for eternity. So I want to challenge you to, to think about what am I using the gifts and talents in my life for, for the sake of eternity and for the sake of the kingdom. Real connection and healthy growing are a byproduct of serving one another. My thought in all of this is that there might be amazing miracles and amazing moments that you're missing out on simply because you haven't taken the opportunity to just get out of, out of yourself and to serve one another. So if this is the how, this is, and you'll find as you serve other people, man, the close connection. You see it on mission trips all the time. Those people have an unreal connection with one another. Why? Because they serve one another and they're serving together. It's incredible. It's a byproduct of it. Serving is the way that you get to that place. Next week, we're going to look at the why. But just so you have a thought, a couple of reasons why I want to encourage you to serve as Jesus did it. Not only did he model it, he commanded it of us. And there are lives around you today that you are the answer for. Have you ever thought of that? There's lives around you today that you are the answer for. You know, you're seeing a need, and you're the answer to that need. And, you know, he's saying, hey, not always telling you to pray about it, but to do something with it. And even above that, there's a world around us of people that desperately need to experience Jesus through a healthy, life-giving church. There's so many have experienced Jesus as a swear word or as like a really boring, life-sucking church and thinking, I want nothing to do with that. They need to experience Jesus. And, you know, when people see that kind of community and that kind of connection, a lot of what you guys have been modeling already, that they're going to say, I want whatever that is and the chance to share Jesus in hopes. So my question is, we started, we end. To serve or not to serve? That is the question. How will you respond? How will you answer that question? 
this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for building the church. Thank you for giving your life so that it could happen. Thank you for bringing us together and for bringing unique gifts and talents together to do something powerful for you. Um, Holy Spirit, I, I pray that over the next couple of days as we're just open to you, that you'd lead and direct our steps in ways of serving one another, but also in serving together that we could make an, a, a real difference uh, in our world and that people would see you through that. Thank you for this amazing church family. I pray your blessing over them today and safety as they drive all over the country today. Um, I thank you for the chance to have fun together and be your family. I love you. It's in your name for your glory to pray. Amen.